the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We're looking at the life of David, and we're going to resume that in our study of prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And we welcome you to this edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with Reverend Bert Harper. And you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. Uh, but, Bert, in this first couple of minutes, I'm going to reference a, a New Testament scripture, Philippians 1 3, that contains these words I thank my God on all remembrance of you. And I want to give remembrance of a dear brother who went to be with the Lord a few hours ago. Bert, uh, when Angie and I were newlyweds, we just got married, and about three months in, we told Macedonia Baptist that God had called us to the ministry, and we were going to move to Lynchburg. I was going to go to Liberty Baptist Seminary. And a man came up, Ronnie Staley, and he and his wife, Betty Staley, been friends for 30-plus years, and he handed me a check, and he said, don't open this till you all are driving up the road. And uh, we headed up to Virginia for me to go to Liberty and enter the ministry. And I opened that, and it was a check for $500, and I nearly ran off the road. (laughs) And I want to tell you, $500 is a lot of money now, but back in 1989, uh, I didn't know there was that much money in the world. (laughs) Yeah. But Ronnie Staley was a great man of God. He was a businessman. He he sold pine needles to uh, Lowe's Home Improvement Stores. And uh, he used to tell me, he said, Alex, work hard, live right, say your prayers, and leave it all up to Jesus. Amen. That's, and today, I, Angie just called me, and I want to say this, and I know we have listeners in North Carolina, Ronnie Staley, just uh, a Christian a businessman, but he did more for the Great Commission than you could imagine. He's in heaven now, and uh, I'll probably be doing his service in a few days, I- I'm sure. But I thank God for a Christian brother who helped us get started 30 years ago. Alex, uh, I think you and I both could look back on ministry in our lives at the people who has come along and prayed for us, given ministry. I I remember being at Blue Mountain College, and I had no earthly idea how I would pay for one of those semesters. So I went in yeah. to pay to try, to try to make everything right and say, listen, I know I can't get my grades till it's paid for. And uh, I said, oh, I'm I know working all on the, it. I know how that works. And, and I went in, and they said, well, Bert, it's already paid for, and you got next semester already half paid for it. I hadn't oh, paid man. a thing, but there was this layman. And uh, at the church there where I was connected, and he had been sending money in each month, he and his wife. And uh, what a surprise that was. I had no earthly idea. And uh, and there's stories like that galore, and we thank God for it. So amen, brother. I, you know, don't open it till you get on the road. It, you yeah. know, and that uh, that's, he said, I don't, you know, it puts you in a position of just thanking God. That's what it comes across. He wants yeah. you to thank God first, and then if there's any thanks to him, you give it. But praise the Lord. Well, Alex, uh, it's great to have friends like that, I know. And, and we're praying for Betty Staley, and they're all in central North Carolina, good, godly people. And uh, one of their one of their 
patriarchs went home today. Amen. Well, we're in the book of 2 Samuel covering the, the life of David right now. Not the whole life. We're hitting the high spots. But the, the theme that we're on, and, and Alex and I decided this last week, prophets, king, and kingdoms. And uh, we've studied one king, and that is Saul. We're studying the second one, David. Uh, we've covered one prophet, Samuel. We're going to get to the second prophet. We've mentioned him, but we're going to mention him in a little more detail today, Nathan. But Alex, when you come to chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, we come to the lowest point in David's life. And uh, we, it kind of creeps up on us like, wow, what happened? But there was a few signs that were coming to there, him taking multiple wives, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, he had just done away, you know, the king could not, uh, you know, collect a lot of horses and he would you know, let the horses die out, but he had started letting the, his army grow. And But now, as we said, you said it yesterday, and I want to reread this, Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. This is so important. Now, it came to pass in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle. Okay, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon, who besieged Raboth, but David remained at Jerusalem. Alex, uh, is there ever a time as a follower of Jesus Christ, now I'm not talking about taking a little respite, but I am talking about those times when you're supposed to be somewhere. Is there a time when you withdraw, or do you stay on the front line? Well, you know, there's always a time for rest and refreshing, but really, as soon as possible, I mean, I think we need to be about the assignments the Lord has given us, because, um, and, and look, I, I believe in stewardship and taking time off and, and getting your batteries recharged, but um, too much idleness uh, can get people in trouble, you know, and, and also accountability, too. And no matter how high you might climb on, on whatever ladder you find yourself, we always need to be accountable. Even though David was king, he needed people in his life to, uh, to hold him accountable. Um, n nobody, n no, no human being, no matter how godly, should have absolute unbridled autonomy. Amen. You know? Hey, what a statement, Alex. And if you're listening today and you feel like you want that, you really don't. You do not want it. Accountability is one of the most important things in the Christian's disciple walk with Christ. Jesus sent them out two by two, yes, to encourage one another, but also to hold one another accountable. And then part of that accountability, Alex, was after he sent them out, they had to come back and report. Uh, there was right. kind of double accountability. We need to we need to have that accountability in our lives, and David had come to that point. We don't want to go over every detail, but we're going to try to do this. What he did in his time of this time, he went on the rooftop, top, saw Bathsheba, and I, I wrote this down. He looked, he desired, and he acted. Uh, yeah. He shouldn't have well, been there. If he looked, there's a, and this word look is a gaze, not a glance. Uh, sometimes at a glance, you can't help but see certain things. You, oh man, I wish I hadn't seen that, but you can turn away, can't you, quickly? Oh, yes. 
Uh, I've always thought about um, 2 Samuel 11, verse 2. Very interesting. It says, And it came to pass in the evening that David arose from his bed. And some commentators, because, you know, in the evening, you lay down and go to sleep. And um, if he was up in the night and sleeping in the day, you know, I've read a lot about a lot of Hollywood stars that, you know, they're up all night and they sleep through the day. In other words, they had had it inverse of how you really ought to live. Um, I used to hear my grandmother say, nothing, nothing good happens after midnight. You know? Yeah, I heard uh, that too. <laughs> John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, used to say that one of the hab- habits of godliness was to go to bed on time and get up on time. And, and Bert, I don't want to read too much into it, but in the evening, when you ought to be asleep, David was, rose up from his bed. That just tells me he's out of the normal routine of the disciplined life. Well, Alex, he should have been at the battlefront, and he shouldn't have been on the roof. So he had two yeah. things that he was doing that he shouldn't have been at the time nor the place, you know? So well, does yeah. that say something about us? Let's make sure we apply this. We better, uh, again, I referred to this yesterday when, you know, we taught our children, be little where little feet where you go. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that is so true, and he was out of place at two different times. Well, yeah, and Bert, I'm I'm not a legalist. I know we're free in Christ, but when when Angie and I go to the grocery store, those magazines at the checkout are, are filthy, and I don't even look at them. I mean, I try to look at the floor or just look at the checkbook or whatever, and it just seems like there's so much in the world now that is inappropriate. Uh, and, and here's the thing I think about, uh, and I want to apply it to David, but we want the things in our life that contribute to the Holy Spirit having control of us. You know, um, we want to, uh, uh, you know, well, David, at one point in his life, David had said, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. And yet he was looking inappropriately at a woman. Um, you know, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to be hyper spiritual here or legalistic, but like I don't even go by looking at those tabloids and magazines because I'm thinking I don't need that stuff in my head. Alex, and, that's that's not legalism on your part. That is discipline on your part. And, uh, you know, and and so we're that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a discipline. Uh, with your eyes, you know, make a covenant with your eyes that you don't look upon certain things. That's biblical as well. And so David did this, and he inquired about who is this woman. He went and sent for her. He had the messengers go and told her to come to him, and there he lay with her, as the Scripture says. He had wrong relationships with her, and her a married woman, him a married man, and he was just, he was way out of line every way. And so he thought he'd get by with it, but he did not. She later would say, I'm with child. That's in verse 5. Uh, David well, thought he could do this a one-night quote, a one-night stand, and nobody would ever know. You know what? Um, and by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we're looking at uh, the kings and prophets of the Old Testament and the 
uh, nation of Israel, divided kingdom, united kingdom, and uh, we're looking at David. And by the way, in a few moments, we're going to get to Bible questions. If you want to take down this telephone number, 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your Bible question here in a little bit. But Bert, um, tell me if I'm reading too much into this. Bert, uh, David had six wives. Um, well, let's see. Yeah, he had six wives, and they were all living in Hebron. And his seventh and eighth wife, uh, Eglah, and then Bathsheba, this was in Jerusalem. And so he had been in Hebron, but in Jerusalem, you know, he got two more wives. And I don't know, I'm thinking he's he's not at home. Uh, it reminds me, I've got a very dear friend, and he... He confessed. We were in a men's group, and he said he was on a business trip, and he was about to go into an inappropriate movie. And uh, it wasn't like an X-rated movie, but it was an R-rated movie. And he said he was walking towards this theater, and he felt conviction. And he was, a, but he wanted to see this movie, and it was not appropriate for a deacon in a church to see a movie like this. And he was about to cross the street. And somebody called his name in another city across America. They said, oh, my goodness. And, you know, he said they probably couldn't have known the horror inside, but I was about to be seen going into a movie that a Christian had no business seeing. He tells me the story, and he said that was, it kind of scared him stiff, thinking, hey, I'm going to be a little more careful where I go when I'm away from home. When David um, takes Egla and Bathsheba, he was away from home. Yeah. And we, we listen, uh, what David did was wrong, but we're giving you this. Stay tuned for more because he is going to be found out. He'll be convicted, and God does take care of him in many ways. Listen for the rest of the story. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for General John Hyten, Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is the second highest ranking military officer in the U.S. Armed Forces. Hebrews 13.7 reminds us that good leaders should set an example for us to follow. Remember your leaders who spoke God's message to you. Reflect on the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for General Hyten as he helps lead our nation's military. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. When getting from point A to point B calls for a walk of faith, Dr. Tony Evans says the decision doesn't really depend on what you think of the road, but what you think about God. He brings us this personal illustration as we spend two minutes with Tony. There's a camp that I used to go to in upstate New York when the kids were small. And I remember when I first went there in the wintertime, the camp is located at a lake. On one side of the lake is the adult camp, and on the other side of the lake is the children's camp. And so on one occasion, they told me to go speak to the teenagers across the lake, and I could just walk across the lake. Well, I wasn't too excited about walking across no lake, even though it was 
in the dead of winter and the lake was supposed to be frozen until I saw a truck drive over. When I saw the truck drive over, my faith grew about my ability to walk over. Hebrews 11.3 says, the worlds were created out of things you do not see. And God wants to know what's the problem with trusting somebody who is in the business of creating universes simply by the word of his mouth. Without faith, Hebrews 11.6, it is impossible to please God. And the reason why you can't please God without faith is that faithlessness challenges his integrity. Now, I don't know how you feel when somebody calls you a liar when you've told the truth. So think how a perfect God must feel because we refuse to take him at his word. Discover how different your life can be when you start taking God at his word. Check with us for details on Dr. Evans' two-volume series, Heroes of the Faith, when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. We're in the life of David. We're going to get right to it, but let me share this with you. We're asking for your help. Uh, Sherathon's coming up in October, the second week in October. It'll be a great week. We enjoy it tremendously, and we're gathering listener stories. Uh, those listener stories, used to, we call them testimonies about what yeah. God had done. And uh, we would love for you to call in and tell what God has done for you listening to AFR. And uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ, some of you may have even been saved listening to the program in your life has been changed. And we'd love to hear that, a minute or two-minute testimony. And then we could use that during Sherathon. And so I pray that you would do that. And it's a different number. Let me give you this number. It's not the number you call in today to ask questions, but this is the number you call in for the listener stories. It is 877 8 Seven six eight eight nine three. Now okay. you're saying, well, I don't think I'll do it, but you feel a little bit of a nudge. So write this number down. So if the Lord wants you to do that and uh, you feel led to do it after he's impressed you, call this number, write it down or, or put it in your phone, 877 8768893 Alex I love Sherathon and I'll tell you real quickly my favorite part of Sherathon is listening to those testimonies they oh, I my just goodness. uh I man I I don't want to do something that all I'm doing is just talking I want lives to be changed because of the power of the word of God in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and that's what we do on exploring the word so we and pray that they'd call in 
Amen. You know, when I was in Columbia, Mississippi, just this past weekend, met so many great people, and uh, my goodness, Pastor Millard Moak at Calvary Baptist, we had a great time, but Bert, uh, college students came from William Carey College Christian School, and it, it's such a blessing, people of any age that say, I listen to Exploring the Word, I enjoy the Bible study, that, hey, that, that means the world to us, but these college students, they were saying, Mr. McFarland, tell Bert hello. We listen to Exploring the Word. We love the Bible teaching. And so you're right, those listener testimonies, um, it really does touch our heart. And hey, folks, we're, Bert and I, we just love the Scriptures, and we love Jesus, and we're just all enjoying this together, aren't we, as we daily get into the Word of God. We are. It is a privilege and a responsibility that Alex and I take very highly. Devin, our producer, man, he he demands excellence from us, and he wants to make sure that you hear the quality of the voice. Now, he can't change this southern draw that I have, but he says <laughs> it wants it. He makes it plain. So you've got a lot of people here on that's product of AFR exploring the Word. We want the Jesus Christ to receive glory and honor, and uh, mm-hmm. that's our desire. Getting back to Second Samuel chapter eleven, Alex, after Bathsheba sends word, and uh, and David knows that this is what's happening, he sends that Uriah, her husband, let him come home and let him uh, stay with Bathsheba during this uh, time uh, away from the battle, and uh, then we can cover up my sin. Because that child, if it was conceived, they'd think it was Uriah's and not his. But Uriah has, he would not succumb to the temptation Mm. of David even giving him the opportunity to be with his wife when he said he should be in the battle. Now, I've got to contrast this, and I'll throw it back to you. Here's David, who should have been at the battlefield and wasn't. And here is Uriah, who was brought back from the battlefield, and he was not satisfied by being away from it. He knew his place was on the battlefield. What a contrast in their lives at this time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really something. And, you know, I got to tell you, here's David, who not only was the political and spiritual leader of the nation for 33 years. We talked about that yesterday, and I I felt like this was just very interesting. 33 years uh, David was king over Israel and Judah, and yet he brings Uriah back, 2 Samuel 11, 13. Uh, At David's invitation, he ate and drank with Uriah, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. And, you know, I got to tell you... um, Uriah is, at this point, being a more noble man than David. Uriah says, you know, how can I be here and eat and drink and go be with my wife when men are out there fighting? So in the morning, very sad, 2 Samuel eleven fourteen, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. He wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is the fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. Bert, I've got to believe conviction was heavy on David, even as he was constructing this devious plan. Alex, you would hope so. I I, I hope so. 
But this hand who was writing this letter of death was the hand who had written some of the greatest psalms that you have ever heard glorifying and telling about the love of God. Mm. Let, let me go over this. I, I just want to share this. David at this time, he had not completed his 33 years. He was in the process. He had won most of the battles he had fought. He had he had done all these great things, bringing up the ark. He had done so many great things. And he was kind of resting on what he had done. And, and, and most people think he was in his 50s, uh, age 50s, when this has happened. And he had had all this accomplishments, all these things he had done. He felt good about what it did. And, and you know, he let me use the word he was relaxed a little bit in his walk with the Lord in his position. And, uh, you know, he, he was wrong in that. I remember a sermon by one of our great uh, men that you and I quote all the time, Vance Havener. And he yeah. preached a sermon, and it's one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard. It spoke to my heart home before dark. And mm. I remember him saying during the decade of the fifties, many ministers, servants, and leaders in the church fail. He said, and I can tell you why they've usually had 20, maybe even 30 years of success. They've been disciplined. Uh, they've watched their step and all of a sudden they let down their guard and when they let down their guard, Satan takes advantage and gives opportunity, and they do not fight the temptation off. That was true with David. And I can share with you, after hearing Dr. Havener say that, I've observed that many, many times, either from uh, the issue, the same problem, sexual issue of David, financial, I've seen that growing lazy and thinking they deserve something better at that point in life because they're tired, uh, you know, and in place of getting away and being refreshed in the Lord, they try to do it in their own way. So Alex, David fell into that pattern of having this success, this success, feeling good about what he had done, thinking, well, I deserve this. I think he justified his action with Bathsheba and then justified his actions right in that letter with Uriah. Well, and, and I want to come back to that. Folks, I really think this is fascinating, and it's it's a, a character study. Uh, a lot of lessons about human nature we can discern and apply it to our own lives. See, here's the thing. When we have the Bathsheba incident, uh, David lusts, he looks, he lusts, he takes Bathsheba, she turns up pregnant, he assassinates Uriah. I'm going to come back to that. But, see, here's the thing. Some think that David would have been in his mid to late 40s. And I know this was literally 3,000 years ago because it was 1,000 B.C. Um, But you've heard the phrase, a midlife crisis, you know? Here's the thing. We don't exactly know how old David was when he was anointed king. We don't know exactly how old David was when he killed Goliath or did a lot of these other very notable things. But it does state in 2 Samuel 5, 4, that uh, David was 30 when he was anointed king in Hebron. Okay? Another parallel to the Lord, because Jesus started his ministry at 30. 
Okay, so he was king in Hebron seven and a half years. Then, when he became king over Israel and Judah, he was king over Israel and Judah 33 years. And so David lived for 70 years. So let Bert, whatever, um, you know, he was probably in his mid to late 40s when the Bathsheba um, circumstance played out. And, hey, men, they've been blessed by God. They've gotten a lot accomplished in life. And, you know, the Bible says, uh, remember the wife of your youth, you know. Um, Men... um, was it Chuck Swindoll, Bert, that wrote this book called Strike the Original Match? Do you yes. remember that book? Yes, I did. I that got was a, it. Yep. a Swindoll book. Yes. Let me just say this, um, and I've done my share of counseling of men in trouble. Um, the The marriage God wants to save and work on is the, the marriage you're in. And, and I know things happen, and God forgives and God restores. But men, I want to tell you, if the good Lord has given you a wife, a Christian wife, get on your knees every day and say, God, thank you for my spouse. And, and you'll be amazed how if you nurture your heart, God will nurture your marriage. Amen. And, and you know, it's, it's really true. And David, um, he had every blessing in the world. Just think. Maybe the most blessed, favored, anointed man on the planet, and yet he let his heart wander, and things happened. Now, I want to say this because it's just, um, somebody ought to make a movie of this. Maybe they did, uh, but it's just, um, it, it's, it's evil, because David gets Joab, and he says, look, put Uriah out there, and then when the fighting is the fiercest, pull back. And it, it happens like that. And I don't know, Bert, I've always wondered what the, the expression might have been on poor Uriah's face. They're near this city, near this wall, and suddenly all the men withdraw, and Uriah for a second is out there by himself. And it says in 2 Samuel eleven seventeen, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sends David a full account of the battle, tells the messenger, go tell the king, this happened, this happened, we fought near the city wall, and it says in uh, 2 Samuel 11, um, 24, uh, Joab says, hey, if he asks, be sure to tell him your servant Uriah is dead. So here's my question, who killed Uriah? David. Yep. Let me I don't, say I don't this. Know, yeah. yeah, let me add this to it. Notice something else. It's not only Uriah. You find it in verse 17. And some of the people of the servants, David, fell. And then in the report in verse 24, before he talked about Uriah being dead, it said some of the king's servants are dead. He not only was responsible for the death of Uriah, David was responsible for those other men who fell during this time. You know, collateral damage. It really was. And the collateral damage that is done trying to cover up your sin, and that's exactly. And then you come to verse 27, the last verse. We're trying to get to Nathan because I don't want to leave Nathan out today. It says in verse 27, but this thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now, mm. David thought he had his tracks covered. He thought he had had it all done. And it displeased the Lord. And the prophet Nathan comes, chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord 
sent Nathan to David, telling the story about the traveler and the man who had a lot of sheep, and he was hungry, and in place of killing one of his sheep, he gets the man who has one little ewe lamb. He gets it, kills it, and eats it, and this makes David mad, and David says, Who is this man? Now, what does Nathan say? Thou art the man. <laughs> you are the man, David. And uh, I've wow. often said one, one of the bravest men of the Old Testament was Nathan the prophet. Give us more Nathans in the pulpits of America and across the world, Alex. That's true. That's true. And let me say, sometimes in the Christian life, uh, you you are the Nathan, and may, may we live so we don't need to be the recipient of a Nathan, you know? But... Um, Nathan really sets it up and says, you know, here's this man, and he had everything, but he took the one little ewe lamb that this poor family had, and what should be done? And David said he's got to pay four times over, and he should pay to the utmost, be put to death. And I'm sure, led by the Spirit of God, Nathan, let there be a very powerful pause. And Nathan says, David, you are the man. Now, we're getting close to the end. We won't have time to cover We're going to have to come back tomorrow and go some more. But I've got to say this. David did not say, yes, but Bathsheba, couldn't have, she shouldn't have been there. David does not put the blame on Bathsheba. He, and that's the part, a man after God's own heart, yes, he sinned. It was horrible. It was beyond description. But he did not pass the blame, Alex, and he said, I am the one. And he asked for forgiveness. There was instant forgiveness. There was instant cleansing. Uh, there was instant restored fellowship. Psalm 51 talks about that. But there was the consequences, and we're going to have to cover that tomorrow. But, yeah. you know, what would your sin cost others? Uh, it's not just what it costs you, but sin usually has a circle that encircles others, doesn't it? Mm. And not only what does our sin cost others, think about what your sin cost God, yep. His Son on the cross. We're going to come back and we're going to take your calls. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Your Bible questions when we return. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. Thank you for standing with AFA, and we thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern here on American Family Radio. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, Romans 12.2. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Paul's epistle to the Romans was written to believers. 
This verse highlights the fact that it's possible for Christians to be conformed to the world's ways. The word conform there means to be squeezed into the mold of another. Rather than being squeezed into the world's mold, the Lord requires us to be transformed by having our minds renewed by God's word. Everything about us must be held up to the light of scripture. And wherever there's any discrepancy, we must be transformed. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Now we have received the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. My mom and dad recently purchased a new SUV. When they picked it up, the salesman spent over two hours showing them all the features until they understood how to ring every bell and blow every whistle. The salesman wasn't trying to sell something new. He was showing them what they already had. Well, God's Holy Spirit lives in every believer, and one of his roles is to show us the blessings we already have in Christ, his wisdom, his peace, and the truth of his word. Today, praise God for the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you live for Jesus. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We have a line or two open, and that number, 888-589-8840. Alex was talking about what happened to David in his downfall with sin and uh, Vance Savitter talking about ministers, being careful about that, and never. That's one reason Jan and I started the Fishbowl Retreat. It's not about preaching better sermons. It's not about growing a church. It's about your life uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and your life with your family. So uh, that's the reason, and we still got some room available. If you want your pastor and his wife, if you want to give them something for October, Pastor Appreciation Month, you can come to the Fishbowl Retreat October the 19th through the 21st at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee, on the Tennessee River. And you can go to repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations.net, and you can register them there. We still have some room. And uh, we would love, because that's mine and Jan's heart, for pastors and wives, ministers and wives, finishing well. And uh, that's why we started that ministry, and that's why AFR asked us to continue doing it. Even after we came on board here 10 years ago, they said, Bert, would you keep on doing the fishbowl conference and retreat? And I do. So, Alex, I wanted to throw that in. And uh, I know we don't have a lot of time to to promote, but I felt like we needed to do that after hearing about David. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to go to Bobby in Arkansas. Our first call of the day, by the way, the number, 888-589-8840, Exploring the Word. Welcome, Bobby. Hi, thanks. Uh, I don't get to listen often, so you guys may have already covered this about David. My question is this. I've been told that when 
uh, Samuel came to Jesse to look, you know, for the next king. That after he figured out it's none of these boys, he asked Jesse, are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, no, there's one that's the younger. I've been told that the true Hebrew word is a word like hakaton or something that means worthless or useless. And so it's really two questions. One, is that accurate? And two, if that's so, does that explain some of David's actions? He was maybe a wounded person from youth. Okay. Uh, Bobby, that word, if I remember it, Alex, you may have time to look it up or you may remember it. It has, uh, it's, it's a word that has different meanings and one of those is that, but it seems like in the context, it was that of the forgotten one, not necessarily worthless. Yeah. That's, uh, I remember covering that when we were going through this. Do you have a better uh, word it, with that? Than, you know, I remember that as well, kind of the forgotten or, or yeah. overlooked. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Not the necessarily word. worthless. That's what but, I understood. Um, almost like, um, I never did, I, I hadn't thought of that. You know, it was kind of uh, the overlooked one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I don't know if that would affect him the rest of his life or not. He did, you know, his choices, when you think about how many choices he did have to make, uh, he did good most of the time, you know. and uh, But this one was horrible. I'm not diminishing it. It was hideous. It's horrible. That's the reason God put it in there. And uh, let me say this. There's no position and no time in a Christian's life where we let down our guard. Guard your heart until the day your heart's not beating anymore, Alex. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, Bobby, thanks for listening. We're going to go to Sue in Oklahoma. Sue in Oklahoma, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, I just want to say thank you all so much for your ministry. I love all of you, your program, AFR and AFA, I was privileged in 2018 to go on the Holy Land tour with Tim and Allison and got to stop at the Billy Graham um, Library on my layover in Charlotte on the way there, and God convicted me to be the woman who prayed for Billy Graham, to be that woman for um, AFR and AFA. Amen. Amen. Bless you. I know. Thank you, I stay in contact with Allison. She's a hoot. We were like two peas (laughs) in a pod. I got to sit across the seat from her every day, and it was, I just loved it. Just brought the Bible to life. Um, But I just want to say the thing with um, David and his adultery, those, um, the effects of that, I went through divorce after 24 years and four children. Um, still hard to talk about, but mm. the effects of it on your children last a long, long time. Yep. And all of my children walked away from Christ pretty much immediately. Um, and one of my questions is, are there any promises in the Bible? I know it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I've been praying for 14 years for my children, and they're still, you know, just out there in the world living like the world, which I know is, you know, not just from the divorce, but also the world just draws them. 
Sue, listen, our hearts break for you. We Mm -hmm. know, and we're going to take time to pray real quickly, but let me give you this. The prodigal son came home. He really did. John Mark, after he deserted the first missionary journey, at the end of, of Paul's life, when he was writing 2 Timothy, he told Timothy, bring John Mark with you. He is valuable to me for the ministry. And so there's the hope. There's that hope. And God's word does not return void, but it goes forth in accomplishing. Now, let me share with you. That word may be a word in prayer. So you pray in scriptures and claiming those children back to the Lord. They're bombarding heaven, and God is hearing them, and he's doing his work in their life today. Alex, go ahead. Well, our heart does go out to you, and, you know, um, for every prodigal that wandered away, we've also heard literally hundreds of stories of the children who came home. Uh, And I will say this, and I've counseled with many men, when um, dad cheats on mom or abandons the marriage, I mean, that will be the single most uh, traumatic and most remembered thing in the childhood or adolescence yeah. of that young person. And um, look, I know marriage can be hard and you have to work, but if you're listening, folks, and your marriage is in trouble, or God forbid, if you're contemplating a fling, uh, get counseling. Um, love your kids enough to do the hard thing and and don't tell yourself the hollywood lie that well i deserve this and i've worked hard and it's not going to hurt anything and i've you know i've got to go for the gusto no that's a myth but um our prayers are with you your kids will come back i i firmly believe that just keep on praying keep Worship while you wait. Amen. But, Bert, would you lead in a word of prayer? I will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would uh, just minister to Sue right where she is. We heard her pain, her sorrow. And, Father, just like when we started this study, it, it was a mother's cry that you heard, and you blessed her by giving her Samuel. Father, we hear Sue's cry. And, Father, mm-hmm. Is you giving her her children back uh, in their walk with you. I pray right now, wherever those four children are, that the power of the Holy Spirit yes. would come upon them and fall upon them, and they'd feel that strange conviction and then that strange drawing to come home. God, I pray they'd respond. Keep on working. Keep on drawing them. We trust you. We believe in it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Powerful. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to go to David in Indiana. David, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Hi, David. Uh, I just wanted to make a good comment, well, funny comment on the whole David and Uriah thing. Yes, go Uh, right ahead. My name is David, and I have a son named Uriah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I did not know. Okay, this is really weird. You did I not, did not know, know this? Anything. No, I did not know anything about the Bible until when I started getting into um, going to church and stuff not too long ago. Wow. And wow. then I, read, I, re- I started reading in on this, and I was like, oh, my God. 
I was like, well, what did I do? <laughs> now, I, I just want to say, David, do you have a brother named Nathan? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, if that were the case, it was something. I, I appreciate but, Isn't that something? Alex, you know, names but, do mean some things, you know? Okay, and, I've and, got a great Bible, uh, that a study Bible that has the name meanings. And the thing about the name Uriah means uh, Yahweh is my light. Yes. In other words, the Lord Almighty is my light, L-I-G-H-C. So Uriah is a good name. I'm sorry, David, in, in the, the one in the Old Testament, David put a hit on him. But no, your son carries a wonderful name. An awesome name, Uriah. Anything at A-H at the end, it gives you a little bit of hint. It's something about God, and that's that's true, David. I, listen, I, that, I, I love some humor and ironic things, and so that really blessed me today. Thank you, David. Where do we go uh, to next? Okay, we're going to go, one of my favorite places in the world is Texas. Because the food is so good. But Shelly in Texas, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hello. Um, I have a question about uh, Bathsheba and David. Yes. When David summoned Bathsheba, she went to his palace. But did she have a choice to say yes to him or to say no? Uh, because of his being the king. Okay. Shelly, good question. That question has been asked. She was not in a real strong position. Uh, I'll put it that. Mm -hmm. She was at the mercy of of the king. Uh, And notice what David does not do. David does not tell Nathan, oh, well, Bathsheba shouldn't have been out there. Uh, Bathsheba could have said no. That never comes up. David takes full responsibility. I think we need to leave it there myself. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, uh, in 2 Samuel eleven four, it says, David sent messengers to go and get her. And uh, this is what's called abuse of power. <laughs> so I really don't think that we should implicate Bathsheba as a co-conspirator, you know. Um she probably could have resisted or something, uh, and maybe if she had, David might have come under conviction. Or she may have, Alex. Maybe she did. Yes, exactly yeah, we don't know. Right. We didn't. don't know. It is unclear on that. And uh, but uh, David abused his his role, and you know there might have been fear of um, you know being in trouble or or whatever. But at any rate, um, maybe she did resist, but. He egregiously abused his role as king, didn't he? He did. And look what he did to Uriah. Some of that is, what will you do with my my family? A lot of yeah. times, that's the uh, the abuse of power. It's not just with the individual you're talking with. You're talking about the what they could do to their family members, and that's high up. And, and yet, Uriah would die. And so... Uh, Thank you, Shelley. Do we have to? Yeah, we have time for one more at least, Alex. By the way, we're going to Tennessee, Mark in Tennessee, on the 23rd, September 23rd. I'll be in Paris, Tennessee uh, for the Pregnancy Care Banquet uh, there in Paris, Tennessee. And the theme of that is Made in the Image of God. And a week from tomorrow, I look forward to being with our dear friends in Paris, Tennessee again. But uh, Mark, go ahead. Yes, sir. I know time is short. So I'll just get right to it. I appreciate everything y'all do, and 
But my question, and then I'll hang up, is, is there any relationship between the four beasts mentioned in Ezekiel 1, Daniel 7, and Revelation 4? Excuse me, Revelation 5. No, it is 4. Excuse me. Yeah. Alex, go ahead. I, there seems to be. Go ahead, Alex. We um, haven't got a lot of time. Uh, well, you know, the beasts in Daniel 7 are kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, whereas the beasts around the throne, the, the word in English translations is beast, but it's really beings. So the beings that are around the throne worshiping God are not the same as the beasts of Daniel 7 and Daniel 2 that represent kingdoms. You see what I mean, Bert? I do, but here's the thing that I said they had one thing in common, the four. Why would you say four? East, west, north, south. Yes, now again, very true. Anytime you come around that, when you see, and we've talked about numbers in the Bible being significant. Now, not all of them have meaning. Sometimes it's just telling you the number of people they were. Sometimes, And that's good. They're telling you how many fish they were. That's good. But sometimes these these numbers have real, real meaning. Seven, one, two. I think the four has. It's a directional thing. And yeah. even with the beings and the nations, it is, you know, in other words, there's a, a kind of a surrounding, Alex. You catch what I'm saying? I do. Hey, let me say this before time fleets away, folks. We, one month from, uh, well, it's really four weeks, but it's Friday. Truth for New Generation, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was my honor this morning to, in front of several hundred women for a Bible study to share about it. And they were so excited. Uh, October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church. We're going to have Frank Turek, Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, speakers, sessions. It's biblical worldview, a Christian response to wokeness. You need to be here. Your kids need to come. Let's get together and get equipped to save our nation. You can go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, for complete information. You know, when uh, Paul writes the Ephesians and he tells about pastors and evangelists and all them, that their job is to equip the saints. I cannot yes. think of a better ministry than Truth For A New Generation than to equip you and get groups to go to equip them for the answers of the worldview, the biblical worldview they need in 2021 and 22 coming up. Go to that. I think you'd just be blessed. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about it, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.